what's up you guys welcome back to my podcast the stranger session slash uh oh a christian teen podcast <laughs> so i don't know if i i never like officially switched the name i just switched it kind of like on spotify and whatever the name so it'd be easier to find because the the words and, and stuff um that's not important <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. Anyway, if you're new, welcome to the podcast. I'll just stop with intro now. Never, that never was my strong suit. But today we're going to be talking about, um, well, the question we're going to be asking ourselves is, are we taking him at his word? Um, this is recently something that has been brought to my attention a little bit about myself, is that I especially... Recently, I just have been having a hard time taking God at his word. Um, and I started kind of picking up on that other people don't have an easy time pick, um, taking God at his word either. And so I was like, well, let's do a podcast episode about it just to, um, I mean, this is not the cure. This, I mean, it's not, but can we bring it to mind can we talk about it so that people are more aware of it because I didn't there are so many things in this life and especially in this walk with Jesus that like we have to know about and I mean Jesus is leading us Jesus is guiding us he thankfully he's like carrying us sometimes that is a comfort to me because I get overwhelmed by my walk in this life really easily because I've only recently become an adult and when you become an adult a lot of responsibilities and things come on you and that's what's been happening with me is just like there's all this new stuff I mean it feels like it and I've just been overwhelmed stressing about it and I always have to remember that I'm taking it back to him and he's the one who's gonna lead me through this he's the one he's the strength he's the power I'm just I don't know why I'm here, but I'm just going to praise him and I'm just going to walk with him uh, to the best of my ability, which is pretty much zero. No, it is zero and he's just doing it all. So <laughs> I, um, yeah, I've been overwhelmed. Let's just say that. The point being that we're going to be talking about taking the Lord at his word, meaning believing in his promises um, and actually training ourselves to have faith in those promises and obviously we need Jesus for this too so don't forget that but let's just go over a few of the promises that uh, he gives us in the scriptures and there's quite a few that I'm going to read but um, it's probably not nearly uh, as many as there really are in the Bible so I'm going to start with Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. And it says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, which means having boldness to enter, well, in the temple, back in the day when they had the temple, um, there was two rooms in the temple, the holies, I think it was called the holies, and then the second, like, most sacred room, excuse my dog, um, is called the Holy of Holies or the Holiest Place. So this is what they're talking about. Having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, 
Now, in the past days, if you didn't know this, if you aren't reading your Old Testament, start reading it because there are important things in there. But in the Old Testament, it was that um, no one could go into the holiest place where God's presence was because it was too holy for us. We were, people were just too sinful. They were not holy enough to go there. And if they did, they would pretty much, I mean, I don't think the Bible has an account of it, but basically they would die because they couldn't go there. Um, only once a year there was an appointed priest, high priest, who was able to go in there and make atonement of sins for all people, all the Israelites and stuff. Um, and he would go in there, he'd sprinkle blood on the mercy seat. And this is a whole podcast episode on its own if you don't know what I'm talking about. But basically, before Jesus died... People had to make sacrifices for their own sins with uh, the blood of animals because God requires blood to uh, pay for sins. Again, to explain all of that, you should listen to a pastor or something talk about that. But that was before Jesus died and made the ultimate sacrifice. So when Jesus died, he took away that old law that required animals be sacrificed and the temple um, regulations and everything. And when he died, the temple's big uh, veil that closed people off from the holiest place was torn in two by some divine power when Jesus died. You can read about that, uh, which meant that it opened up the presence of God to anyone. I'm just waiting. We have... uh, I, my patience, to be honest, is running low right now because she's been doing this like all day and yesterday. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, so when Jesus died, the veil was divinely torn down the middle, which was a symbol that God's presence was available to anyone who accepted Jesus Christ's blood as their sacrifice. Um, for all their sins, present and past and future, meaning that all the sins had already been paid for, if you accept it, um, and which means you are holy enough by the blood of Jesus to enter into the holiest place where God's presence is, which at this point is not an actual physical place, but instead he resides in our hearts and our bodies are the temple. So, (laughs) quick, quick, brief um, run over, over a huge concept But that's basically what Paul is talking about in the first verse. Or, well, I think Hebrews was written by Paul. But that's unnecessary conversation right now. Um, I can't remember if he says that he does in the first place. Regardless of that, um, the writer is saying that having boldness to enter the holiest place, or the holiest, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. I just... Um, explain all of that. The veil was ripped, that his flesh was um, sacrificed for us. And having a high priest over the house of God, um, now instead of a person being appointed to be the high priest to make a sacrifice, Jesus Christ was is and was our high priest, and he made the ultimate sacrifice before God, and now he is continually giving intercession for us. And um, he's literally in heaven making defense for us when satan is accusing us for our sins or when we do sin he is making um 
he's defending us because arsons have already been paid for and so that is like crazy like imagine a courtroom right now in heaven and everything you do is basically being judged although i think that's going to happen on judgment day i'm not sure the whole time uh how all the time works kind of weird a little bit too big for my mind but jesus is right there as like a defense attorney or a lawyer and he's like no that has already been paid for here is the sacrifice or here's like the debt has been paid and so the judge god would be okay that has been paid that's gone like continually through your whole life and so jesus is our high priest and he's doing that um continuing let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith full assurance of faith a true heart in full assurance of faith meaning being fully assured or being fully sure in faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water um during the temple days the blood of the animals would be sprinkled on the mercy seat uh which is where basically god was sitting not in physical form but he was there between the two cherubs and the high priest would sprinkle blood for the atonement which is what that means here i'm not sure we're washed with the pure water i'm sure that has to do with the old symbols as well um let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering now that's important hold on to that let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering so let us hold on to a our confession that we believe in Jesus Christ, who is our hope, without like, um, I don't know another word for wavering, like becoming unsure or like being shaky in our faith, basically, for he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more you as you see the day approaching. So it says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So he says that we're going to stir up love and good works by considering one another. So this is, as he writes it, he writes it after we are already um, saved. So love and good works is a result of salvation and is not a part of becoming saved. To be saved, you believe and you are saved. And then with that comes obedience and love and good works. It is a result. It is not a formula to become saved. Um, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, which I would assume means church. Um, assembling together to uh, exhort one another. So encourage and build up. Um, and so much the more as you see the day approaching, meaning the judgment day, I think. Um so that's the first thing we are told not to waver we're told to hold fast to our confession of hope without wavering because jesus is faithful not because of anything that we can do or anything that any power we have we don't have the power to do anything at all but we have been given a choice and our choice we need to hold on to that and believe that when we decide that we're going to believe in jesus we're going to take him at his word and we're going to believe in him because he is faithful. Um, also, here's another one. Now we, oh, this is First Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. So again, it is not us. It is God who's going to do it. And we are called to believe in him that he's going to do it um, because he is faithful. Um, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, as you guys have probably seen in the last three, like, verses or passages that I've read, um, it is basically saying that Jesus is faithful. Now, I have a definition for the word faithful, and it means remaining loyal and steadfast. So, when you think of somebody faithful, you're going to believe that they are going to be fireside. They're not going to um, disappoint you. They're going to continue to fight for you. They're going to be strong by you. Like if you're thinking of a faithful friend or family member, um, they're not going to leave you even if times get tough. They're not going to leave you even if something better comes along. They're going to keep on being with you because they are faithful and they're loyal to you. Um and that's exactly what Jesus is. How many times does the Bible say or show that God is faithful? God was even faithful to the Israelites in the Old Testament when they were not faithful to him. I mean, he disciplined them, which is another form of faithfulness, I think. He didn't just abandon them. He disciplined them. And he continued to save them even after they would like go way astray and start worshiping other weird gods and stuff. And then as soon as they turned back to him and called to him in times of trouble... He would immediately save them or, I mean, obviously different stories and times had different uh, responses by God because he doesn't always respond the same way, but he is always faithful. And that is something we need to remember, especially in times of anxiety and in times that we're not like, we just, we're losing faith and we're having a hard time keeping our hope is that we need to remember that it's not us and it's him and he's faithful and we need to be taking him at his word because if he says it, he's going to do it. And the Bible says so many times that he's going to do it if we believe. So even, you know, even I need to hear this because over the last couple of uh, maybe months, I don't know. It's almost been a year since I got COVID, which caused nerve damage, basically, uh, where my nervous system just freaked out and I've been having anxiety. And for the first most of the year, my anxiety was mostly physical or like health related anxiety where I thought that something was wrong with me. I had to go to the doctor to get checked out and see if I had anything um, serious because my mind just couldn't get off of it. I thought I had cancer or something and I thought I was dying and obviously we're all dying, but I know that's so hopeful. But anyway, over the last couple of months, for some reason, my anxiety has switched to spiritual anxiety, which means that I'm afraid that I'm not working hard enough and I'm not pleasing Jesus in everything that I'm doing. Anything pleasurable is causing me to sin, um, even when the things I'm doing is not necessarily sinful. I don't know how to explain it, but it's basically just anxiety in my spiritual walk. Um, as much as this has been really overwhelming and stressful, I think that it's teaching me to trust and it's teaching me to walk with him more and growing me closer because there has been times where instead of, say, watching YouTube or whatever, because you guys know that has been my weakness before, um, instead of doing that, I would instead do something more worthwhile, which is not ever a bad thing. 
So I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but when you start to question your own salvation and doubt the unseen things, it becomes really hard and depression is a a big risk at that point, I feel like, for myself at least. So I've had to kind of like remember that I have to take him at his word. There's no other hope for me and I really have to just remember to believe that if he promises it, he's going to do it. And so trying to encourage you guys by trying to help you guys remember that as well, just in case you've been forgetting it too um, or something like that. So he's faithful and if he promises he will do it, then he will. Now I'm going to read two passages that confirm our, our faith and confirm that if we believe he will, he will save us basically. Um, John, John chapter three, uh, verses 16 through, uh, 17, I believe. Okay. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Um, my computer is whistling. I'm sorry. I forgot that it does this and I didn't set up correctly for it. Hold on just a second. Obviously, we've heard this uh, verse many times. Uh, it's like the, well, probably. It's one of the most repeated verses, news verses in the world. <laughs> but the second verse is not always repeated as much. So, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And now, this is part of the Gospels. And the gospel is the good news. And this is like one of the main parts of the gospels that tell about Jesus saving. And Jesus was telling this to Nicodemus, one of the religious leaders back in the day. He was telling this to him before he died. So he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Does Jesus say that whoever believes in him and then goes and sells all his things and gives them to the poor and spends all of his time volunteering and um crocheting little hats for babies and um healing the sick and all no he just said those who believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life so i'm i'm kind of trying to prove a point to myself as well because i think we get distracted that by thinking that we need to um buy our salvation we need to deserve it somehow and we can never deserve it so we get so distracted by am i good enough and we start so getting so distracted by doing good that we forget to focus on jesus and what he's teaching us and how merciful he was that he gave up everything even when we didn't deserve it so i'm not saying that all the things i just said are bad of course not. Those are very, like, that's how you get your treasure in heaven, right? But are we focusing more on that than we are on Jesus and his mercy? Are we trusting in that more than Jesus and his mercy and grace? Are we doing that? And so that's just a question for you to just ask yourself because I've been needing to ask myself that, like, I get scared lately, and this never happened before I had anxiety that I couldn't control, and 
it's just like now I can't rest. I can't just have peace in knowing that even God rested, you know, after his work. And and instead I'm like, I can't, I can't just sit here. I can't watch movies. I need to, you know, <sighs> always fill my time with something else. And, and it's just... It's really hard to live that way, thinking that you can have no rest and you cannot enjoy the blessings that God has already given you. Obviously, you need to make sure that the blessings that you believe God gave you are blessings he gave you, actually, and the the pleasures that you are indulging in are actual pleasing things to him and not something that the Bible advises against. So it's complicated, right? I mean, I'm I'm just going crazy over here because... Trying to figure it out on my own is not working and I need to just trust Jesus to get me through it. Um, it's very helpful for me because sometimes when I'm having these anxieties, I can go to my mom and be like, Mom, I feel like right now I'll, I can only crochet hats if I'm not doing anything else. And I feel like I don't have the freedom to do anything else. And she's like, we're free. We're, she's like, Jesus died for us. We're saved. And now we're free to do whatever we choose to do. We have that choice. So don't take that freedom away from yourself by telling yourself that all you can do is all these like volunteer works at all times. Of course, they're still good to do sometimes if you want to and or uh, you can do them a lot if that's what your mission is right now or stage in life or whatever. But they're not, you know, I'm just talking to myself at this point. I hope you're getting what I mean. We're not saved by good works. We need to be taking him at his word that we disbelieve and we'll be saved and then he will lead us to whatever work um, he wants us to do or he will, you know, help us, guide us through the rest of it. It's just too much for me personally and probably everyone else to handle on our own. Uh, Also, Romans 10 9 through 13 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, What's he say? Just call upon the name of the Lord. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. Like, confess with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. I mean, I'm confessing right now before you guys. Like, Jesus is Lord. He's my Savior. He's my only hope in the world and in the universe ever. He's my only hope. And I pray that he would save me. And see, that's where the problem comes in right now. Is that I'm having this anxiety that I might not be saved. And that is me not taking him at his word. Like, I have this feeling in my chest, like, it's like a risk, you know. It's like, I don't know, you know, if he comes back. I don't know if you guys believe in rapture or not, but I do. And if he comes back, and what if everyone else is raptured and I'm not? Like, I've had moments where my anxiety has told me that 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 could happen. And I'm like, the only thing I need to do to be with Jesus is, is believe in him. And I believe in him. So then I start praying like crazy like god save me and that's not a bad thing i don't think but the bad thing is that i'm having anxiety because i can't take him at his word what does his word say his word says that if i believe him i'm saved so that means i'm saved why am i having doubts my pastor was talking about this a couple days ago and he was saying that 
the most common answer when you ask a Christian, are you going to heaven is, I hope so. He was saying that most of the time, if you ask a Christian, are you going to heaven? They say, I hope so. You know, is, is that us taking him at his word? He said two options. You don't believe, you go to hell. You do believe, you go to heaven. Are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? There is no I hope so. That is a choice that we are given is I hope so. The other day, I think it was yesterday, I was at school and there was, uh, the kids were being taught about heaven and hell. Uh, I came in for lunch, take over or whatever, and the teacher was in there. And uh, one of the kids was like, why does hell look like that in the picture or whatever? And the teacher was like, well, I think it's all fiery and volcano, whatever. And she was like, well, I hope I never go there. So, and she continued with her day. And I, I kind of like, I was like, huh. That's so, that's, it's not just her, but I'm just saying for Christians, that is a sad answer. That's like, how can we answer? Doesn't, do you think that saddens the Lord's heart too? That he gave us everything. He gave us his word and he promised to us and we're still not taking him at his promises has he never has he ever broken a promise to us has he ever done us wrong no why would we ever doubt his promise to us why do we say i hope so like it's like it's not gonna happen he gave us exactly what's gonna happen if we make a choice we're gonna get it i mean we can we believe i feel like we have more faith in weird things like let's say tomorrow i'm going to work and i believe it i'm like if someone says you're going to work tomorrow i'm like yep how many things could happen tonight before I go to work tomorrow that could stop me from going to work? A lot of things, probably millions of options, but most likely I'm going to be going to work tomorrow. And I say yes with confidence, believing that I will be there. But instead of being confident in going to heaven, which there is only one option if I am saved, I'm going to heaven. And he promises that. And if he promises it, he is faithful. He never lies. That means it's true. And I say with less confidence that I'm going to heaven than I am going to work tomorrow. How s That's just sad, to be honest. It's just sad for us to be answering our question. The most important question of our entire existence with I hope so. That is not the answer. If you are saved, you know you are saved. Because you make that choice. No one else can make it for you. He won't force you to do it. He's a gentleman. He's not going to beat you up and make you love him. That's your personal choice. And you either choose not to or you choose to. So if you say right now, I choose to, you're going to heaven. It's as simple as that. Don't you love how Jesus makes things simple? And yet everything's so complex. But thankfully... It's simple enough that we know we just trust him. He'll take care of us. We always have to go back to that simple trust, that simple faith that he's going to take care of us and uh, that he's going to lead us. Uh, Romans 8 says, Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So this is in regards to things that happen in our lives. I mean, things that we don't understand. Like with me, and my nerve, nervous system damage and everything. This has been the hardest thing I've ever been through. Um, 
in my short 18 years, but this has been so difficult for me because my entire perspective is changed by a physical hurt in my body. And there's nothing I can do except just keep on living and trying to, you know, live and not just hide and be afraid. And so with it, I have to believe that all things, including my anxiety and everything else that is crazy and weird and, you know, and even the good things too, they work together for good for me because I love God. And I am called according to his purpose because I am saved. And also there's that other one that everything is for the good of those who love him. And for his glory. And we have to take him at his word and believe that that's true. That every single thing that happens in our life, little or huge, it is for good for us. And it is for his glory in the end. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is from Joshua when Joshua had to fight Um and then the odds just seemed against him. He had to go out and he had to fight. And he was afraid, you know. And God had to encourage him be like, be strong and have courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And he had to be encouraged to take God at his word, even though he was afraid. And I think we have to be reminded of this too, that we need to be strong. We need to be of good courage. We need to not be afraid. Or be dismayed, just mean like taken by surprise or like startled or whatever. But remember, the Lord is with us wherever we go. Sometimes just to make it through a certain situation, I'm just like, God, go before me. God, go behind me. God, go beside me on both sides. <laughs> Don't let me go anywhere on my own. I might get distracted, Lord, but please do not get distracted. Be with me, even though I am not necessarily with you in like, that moment of thought because I know that I will get distracted by the things of the world because they are before me I can see them I can feel them and sometimes I forget about God because our minds can only carry three or four thoughts at a time apparently sometimes God doesn't fill one of those thoughts because I'm like I'm late for work I need my I need my you know my supplements to make sure I'm not gonna have a panic attack over there I need to have my lunch because I'm insulin resistant. I need my food so I don't have any anxiety. It's like a lot, you know, and I'm running late because I spent too much time on my hair, which is trying to grow out. And I, it's, it's kind of crazy. Ugh. But, you know, sometimes we just forget to think about God because the things of the world get in the way. And not necessarily bad things. They just, it just happens. And so it's like a prayer we give, like, Lord, be with me wherever I go, even if I'm not necessarily with you in that moment. I am still with you because you're with me. I hope you get what I'm saying. Philippians 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. How do we rejoice at all times? He says always. How do we rejoice in the Lord always? I mean, sometimes people, you know, people die. You know, sad things happen. Scary things are happening to us. Sometimes we just don't feel good. How do we rejoice during those times we have to take him at his word we have to take him at his word we need to rejoice that he is faithful that he's going to take care of us that this is for good 
we have to rejoice. Does that mean that we're going to jump for joy and be smiling all the time? No, that just means that in our heart we have still have joy because we still have hope that the Lord will take care of everything in our lives, little or or small or big or whatever size you want, medium. <clears throat> John 16 says, John 16:33 says, "These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace." In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He has literally overcome the whole world. <laughs> so what is there for us to be afraid of? T take him at his word. He has overcome it. And have that peace that he gives. And be of good cheer. I mean, that means like, have a good, have a good mood, I guess. Is Isaiah 26, uh, Three says you will keep him in perfect peace his mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. So sometimes I have this hard time thinking about how do I always think about God and do everything for God? How will I get, you know, how will things be done for me? And then I've recently been given this like image in my mind. Not, I'm not saying I had like a vision or anything. I'm just saying like I've been given this interesting vision where, uh, image, image in my mind where it's like, if, you know, there's that verse that says that first seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. I think that goes into everything in our lives. If we seek God, if we pursue God, if we're fighting to live for God, if we're fighting to do everything we do to please and glorify the Lord, and we're just giving him all the credit and we're giving him all the glory and we're giving him everything. We're just, you know, our eyes are focused on him guess what? We can never outgive God. And he's going to be like, okay. And he's going to be like, yep, it's going to be like a cycle. You give it to God. He's giving you everything you need. He's giving you blessings. He's giving you mercy. He's giving you grace. He's giving you the things you don't need, but the things that just will bring blessing to your life. The things that you don't deserve, he's going to, I mean, he's already given me so many things that I don't deserve. But on top of that, he's giving me so many things that are not necessary, like, are not necessary to survive. He's giving me so many just, like, pleasures and just blessing and just, just joys here and there and that. And I just think it's all the more when we focus on him. Because instead of having to focus on something that will not end up giving us what we need, or focusing on something that instead will actually make our lives more worse... Instead of focusing on that, we're focusing on Jesus. And there's nothing better to focus on that. And so if you're worried sometimes, like I know how it feels to be worried that what Jesus commands us to do in the Bible will not be good enough for us. I know we don't really say it out loud, but sometimes it's like, ooh, like what if, what if I do have to sell all my things and give it to the poor and have only one pair of sandals and go evangelize? And we have that fear in our heart. Like what if we actually have to do that? How are we going to have a good life, you know? But I think we're looking at it wrong. We need to look at it like, Jesus, if you want me to do this, that's what's best for me. And if I'm focusing on you, you will continue that cycle where I'm looking at you. You're looking at me. You're giving me more than I could ever ask for. You're giving me more than I ever deserved. And you're giving me every single thing I need because you promised that. And I'm believing in that. And that is the best hope we can have, right? I mean, non-believers, what kind of peace do they have? What kind of, you know, sh surety do they have? What do they have their hope in? 
their 401k, their insurance, the maybe their job that could go at any moment, and even for their lives, the only hope they have is doctors, which cannot necessarily save you. And that is an interesting thing that you go through when you have anxiety. My mom had this too because she used to suffer with anxiety as well. Um, the uncontrollable kind that's just because your nerves are broken or whatever. But she used to have this too. At one point, she had a panic attack so bad that she went to the doctor's office. and Or to the emergency room, I mean. And when she was there, it, it like she realized it hit her. And I mean, you might think that you know this, but you don't know until you really you're really scared and you really think that you're gonna die. You realize that the doctors might not be able to save you. And so then it's just like, what does your hope come down to? Obviously, it's Jesus. It's always Jesus. Especially for a Christian, it is better for your hope to be in Him, strong and steady before that happens. But for a non-believer, imagine being in the emergency room, falling apart, feeling like you're dying, or actually maybe even, maybe dying. And what does your hope stand in? A doctor, a person, a fallen human who cannot necessarily save you. So, you know, our hope's in God. And in order to have that hope, we need to take him at his word. Revelation 21, 4 says and god will wipe away every tear from their eyes there shall be no more death nor sorrow nor crying there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away now this is our hope guys we're going to be living forever with no tears no death no sorrow no crying no pain because all of these former things have passed away and that is our hope Someday we're going to live in peace. We're going to be having pleasures more than we can imagine. We're going to be with Jesus. We're going to be having a good time together. You and me hanging out, doing the activities or whatever he has planned for us up there. I don't know. I've never been there. I can't say what's if there are activities or what there is. But I imagine things that I think would be good. And I imagine I know that the things that are up there actually better than my imagination. But we're taking him at his word in this verse that someday things will be spectacular and things will be all better. We're going to feel amazing and God is going to take care of us here and there. And one thing that sometimes blows my mind to think about is that our eternity, our eternal lives have already started. Even if our bodies will die, our soul never dies. So for us, it's like we're already living forever. So, yeah, just, I, I don't know. Yeah. Proverbs 12 says, Proverbs 12, 25 says, Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. That was random. I don't know why I have that here. But yes, I can assure you that anxiety can definitely cause depression I feel like lately I've been struggling to think that I might actually be falling into depression again, which I really don't want to do. So <laughs> please pray for me. A good word makes it glad. So send good words. I'm trying to send good words to you guys now. <laughs> uh, Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. I already said this part. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. 
Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Psalm 34. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Take him at his word. He's near. If you have a broken heart, if you have a contrite spirit, which means spirit or, um, yeah, a spirit that is really sorrowful or heartbroken, he, uh, saves those. Um, that's all I really have right now, um, for the verses. It was a lot. Yes, I know. But just remember that we're free. We are free and he has taken away our chains. He's forgiven us. We are not perfect yet. We're still in fallen bodies. We're still going to sin, but those sins are forgiven. Um, and one last thing is that I was reading in, no, I was listening to a podcast. Uh, the girl recently, the girls, someone from the podcast reached out to me um and so I was like oh I'll check out the podcast so I started listening to it and they were talking about how our words need to be building up to the people around us um and one thing that they said was that we cannot give grace until we accept his grace I'm not sure I can't remember how that really tied in with our podcast episode um but I should actually say who they are Mm, maybe I will a little later once I listen to their podcast a little more (laughs) But um, they were saying, we cannot give grace until we've accepted his grace. So when you're starting to feel like you are judging other people harshly and you're judging yourself harshly, are you accepting his grace? Like, ask yourself that question. Are you accepting his grace right now? And remember that we cannot give other people grace and we cannot give each other um, love We cannot give each other forgiveness until we've accepted those things from Christ. So that's something I definitely need to remember. So I just wanted to say that to you guys too, just in case. Now, with that, knowing that we are free, knowing that we have been forgiven, do not believe that that is a sudden free pass to do like whatever you want. Of course, we love Jesus, which means that we obey his commandments. That's the thing. If you love me, obey my commandments. Does that mean that we have to obey the old law? That's a controversial topic. I don't believe so because Jesus said that the greatest law, he said this in the New Testament, so this is the New Covenant. The greatest law is that we love him and we love everyone around us. And he said that the whole law and prophets are fulfilled in just that. So for us, our Our mission, our law, our command in this world is to love him and to love others. And and it kind of goes around in a cycle after that. It's like, how do we love him? We obey his commandments. What is his commandment? Love him and love others. And so it's like a kind of like a circle-y thing going on there. And I'm not going to act like I know what's happening. Like, I do not. I'm in the midst of like this dark... (laughs) place right now in my life where I just can't see necessarily where I'm going things are just moving around around me and I'm just like Jesus I cannot see please take care of me because I'm kind of 
I feel like I'm about to fall apart, and the only thing that can hold me together is Jesus. So, um, I'm not going to pretend like I have it all figured out. I'm not going to tell you guys that I know what I'm doing and everything, but I know that I need to work. I need to ask him to help me work on trusting in him and in taking him at his word and knowing that I believe I've made that choice. I want to go with him to heaven. I want him to save me from my sins. I confess my sins. I repent of them. And I want him to take me to heaven when he comes. And whenever that is, take me. Um, and so with that, I need to take him at his word that he is going to save me. And I am going to heaven. And I have hope in that. And I do not need to be afraid of anything. Except I need to fear God. Which is another command in the Bible. Fear God. Um, that's a whole episode on its own. But anyways. So yeah. That's a bunch of words I just said. Thank you for listening. I hope that in some spare moment you can pray for me because right now it's really hard. Also, I have an Instagram. I'm not posting much on it, but it's basically there for anyone who needs to contact me. One of the people who wanted to collab didn't know where to get a hold of me. I have an Instagram. It's Angelina.Jordan. Um... You can DM me if you have interest in collabing or a prayer request. I don't know. I'm not organized like other people. This is just a side thing I do in my life while I'm trying to, like, graduate and working and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I don't like to call it a side thing because technically it is my ministry. So not right now, to be honest, it's kind of on the side because I'm just trying to graduate. That's my biggest priority in my material life. Anyways, why am I still talking? <laughs> I'm stressing out. I need to go take my supplements. All right. Goodbye, you guys. See you next time. Thank you for listening. I hope this encouraged you in some way or showed you a new perspective or something that you haven't been seeing lately. So, yes. Okay. Bye.